people, what's up? Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> My intros are always horrendous. Like, I dread having to, like, say the first couple words. Because, I don't know, I feel like I never have, like, a good intro. Like, just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> well, you know, I kind of pride myself on this just being, like, a regular conversation, you know? Like, I just want people to feel like they're just hanging out with me, you know? Um, I think I might change the name of the podcast, maybe change, you know, if I change the name, then I might... I, I've been thinking about it, but the thing is, I don't have another name right now. So, because, you know, we've been redo for couple years now I mean I think I started this in 2019 which is just bonkers that that's like four years ago um yeah I I think I might change it but I don't really have a name I could just make it my name my fake name (laughs) people probably think my last name is Marie and it's not I feel like I have probably a lot of people fooled, which is great. Like, (laughs) I know I do because people are like, what? That's not your last name? That's really funny to me because, like, I was so entwined with my last name for so many years. Like, and um, it's still my last name, like... I have not changed it. My mom has not changed her last name. Not that she doesn't want to, but it's just so much work. And her name is connected to everything, you know? And it's just a lot of freaking work to go in and change every single thing. It's just difficult, you know? So, my last name is Burrell, for people who don't know. Uh, I'm Italian, and it's, it's an Italian name. Um, like, usually in a, in Italy, it's, like, Varello, but, yeah. It's spelled with an O, too. I have seen it spelled with a U, which kind of, like, makes it sound different, I guess. But I have always hated my last name. I just don't like it because it's just, like, a, it's just blah, you know? Like, I just don't like it. Um... I don't feel anything when I say it. Like, don't get me wrong. I very much enjoy being Italian. Like, I love being Italian, even though that comes from my father. Um, But I really, really enjoy being Italian. I loved growing up with, um, you know, hardcore Italians in my family. And the food is just amazing. Um... Like, and it's it's very interesting when you grow up in that dynamic. Like, half of your... Like, literally, the two families could not be polar opposites. My mom is straight-up Irish, like, Scottish, Welsh... Not Welsh. Um, her, her ancestors are from Wales. Um, I don't know why I said Welsh. But I did do the the DNA thing, and I've talked about this before, so I won't, like, get into all that. Basically, just so people understand, like, 
my mom is like Casper the ghost and my dad has like the Sicilian like olive skin and since I'm a clone of him I have the skin (laughs) which I've always very much enjoyed having that skin because in the summer when I would tan like I would literally get dark dark and people would be like you have tanner on like you look ridiculous and I'd be like this is my skin I have never used a self tanner I don't sit outside to tan I don't enjoy it you know like I don't enjoy sitting out in the sun roasting if I'm outside like I will be in the pool like I will be in the pool the whole time I not the whole time like I'll get out a little bit and sit in a chair or whatever but I get hot really fast and if I am out in the heat for too long I am ill and that comes from my dad because my dad would not like we'd go to like an amusement park and my dad would not eat anything the whole time like because and I'd be like dad why don't you like you know why don't you want something to eat you know and he'd be like, if I eat, I'd be throwing up right now, the, like, the whole time. Like, because the sun, like, makes him physically sick. Like, if he's out for a long-ass period of time. Like, you know. And that's me. Like, when my friend Jessica came down in April, she she was only here for two days, literally, not even. And she had to go back home. She has two little kids and works and... Hopefully she'll come in the next month or two again. But she was here and she wanted to go to the beach and we went. I was ill. I was literally sick after. Like, we sat on the beach for maybe an hour. I don't even know how long it was. Maybe an hour and a half. I don't think it was two hours. I think it was under that. I sat under a cabana the whole time. I kid you not. I did not leave it. And, oof, I was like, I got to get off this beach right now. And then we went in the pool for maybe two hours after that, which I felt better. But then once I got to the, like, the room, because she was like, I'm tapping out, I'm done, like, it's too hot out here. And she tans, like, she loves to tan. So we, it was like 95 degrees out. And I'm just not used to that. Like, having a pool, like, being at your house, like, that's different. But when you're on a beach, like, I used to really like the beach. And I just don't really like the beach anymore. Like, I've tried to like it. Like, okay, going on the beach, you know, sunset, it's cooler out. Great. Great. When it is 95 degrees out, you know, you get there 10 a.m., you're there till 4, whatever the hell it is. I just, I can't handle it anymore. I really can't. I hate the sand. I used to love boogie boarding. I haven't boogie boarded in a while. I, ha- I couldn't tell you the last time I was in the ocean. Like, I just don't really like the ocean that much anymore. Because all these damn sharks, you got jellyfish. You, like, you can't see that shit, you know? Like, I really only like going to beaches that the water is crystal clear 
And Clearwater, yeah, it is. But I just don't really enjoy going to the beach when there's, like, a shit ton of people. And for where we were and the time that it was, there was a ton of people. And usually when I go to Clearwater, I'm farther up on the beach, like, because we like to go where it's not crowded. And we literally sit at the Hilton and you walk out and the beach is right there. And that's where we were right downtown so it was chaos we had to wait to get into the hotel pool because it was packed um oh my god i (laughs) don't get me wrong it was a lot of fun i just felt very ill after and i wish i didn't and i wish my body would just like not do that to me but that's how it is i got a massive headache i went back to the room and i literally took a nap And I don't take naps. It took me a little bit to, like, fall asleep. But I was probably asleep for an hour, maybe. Like, I was like, I am so sorry. Because she wanted to go to a restaurant. And obviously I wanted to go. And I I said, I feel horrendous right now. Like, I have the worst migraine. So I took that Excedrin real quick, laid in the bed, and passed the fuck out. Like, and she fell asleep, too. And then we woke up and we were like, let's just order Cheesecake Factory. Liked the room. So that's what we did. And yeah, I don't know how I got into all of that, but I haven't really talked about that on here. Um, But yeah, like I was just so, from sitting in the sun the whole time, I was literally ill. Like I couldn't, I just can't stand it, like being in the sun. Like I'm a pool person. Take me to the water park. Take me to the pool. Don't get me wrong. I do like the water. Like, I've always been in the fucking water. Like, I learned how to swim when I was, like, six. And since then, I was done. Like, I was done. Having a pool that's nine feet deep when you grow up, it's really nice because you can learn how to swim, you know, at a very young age. And you get really comfortable with it. My parents always fucking hated when I went in the ocean because they would literally have to stand there like patrol. Like, because I would go so far out and my mom would be like, get the fuck back here. Like, she could not find me. Like, and I would drift because the tide kind of pulls you in another direction. So I'd be looking out and I'd be like, where are my parents? Like, I couldn't find them. But my mom is more like, put her feet in the ocean you know she won't like go in and like swim you know in the ocean but my dad he will go the fuck in and when I was younger he would go in with me and he like my mom could like fucking relax because he he would just go in and make like kind of hold me upright because those waves just knock you the fuck over like and I remember a couple times like us getting knocked the fuck down like it was funny, but I used to be all about the ocean. We'd go to the beach for hours, and, like, I'd be in the ocean boogie boarding, like, very far out. And looking back, like, what the fuck was I doing? I would go out into, like, you couldn't even see, like, the water was up to my fucking shoulders. Like, what was I thinking? I don't know. Especially, like... When most of this was in Myrtle Beach. And Myrtle Beach is known for sharks. Like, sharks is literally constant there. 
like there's a there's a pier and literally the fishermen always pull up like sharks like baby sharks and then they also have um like you know sorry i'm answering a text they have just so many fucking sharks like what was i thinking like you know um they have big ass sharks there too like people have gotten bit they have jellyfish like and this water like especially in Rito beach it is not clear it is not clear at all you can't see shit like oh my god but I felt like fine when my dad was there and then when I got older like you know like now I understand like when you hit a certain age I when I hit 20 I realized like the amount of stress that parents are under like your child is in the fucking ocean they can be ripped out at any point in time like and my mom would fucking sit there and she was like on patrol like it was like a job to like watch me in the ocean like especially when my parents separated and like I was you know a teenager then but then I really wanted to go in the ocean like and I'd be boogie boarding my ass off I don't know what the hell I was thinking but I still enjoy that but I I very much like a not crowded beach white sand not a lot of shells because those cut your foot oh my god um and I like crystal clear water you know like the best beach I have ever been to in my life is Anna Marie Island which is not that far from here I think it's maybe an hour and a half to two hours um that was beautiful like the water was crystal clear there was barely any shells the sand was white and we saw dolphins like actual dolphins in the water i had never seen that before like it was crazy like and that was just so much fun like and I would definitely go back there. I would go when I thought it probably wouldn't be that busy because there was a lot of people there, but it's kind of spread out, so it didn't really feel like there was. But, yeah, we went there, and, um, of course, it's, like, clear water. There's one road in and one road out, so it took a long-ass time to get there. But, and they had, like, sandcastle sculptures and everything. It was a lot of fun. Um, my family knows this couple that lives in Bradington, um, very good friends with my grandma and Poppy, and, um, they've lived there for a long time now, and we've gone down a couple times to see them, and, um, they took us down there, like, and it was a lot of fun, um, but... I don't know how I got into the talk about the ocean. I, well, talking about the ocean, hello, the submarine. Oh, my God. Guys. I I don't even really have words to describe the submarine situation. Um, this, when I tell you this consumed me, 
I made a couple videos about it on TikTok, and when I tell you I gained, like, 50 followers from it, I don't even know how much, but, oh my god, the amount of views I was getting, like, just talking about this submarine, I was like, I should just ride this out, keep making a video after video, like, ride the wave until the hype, uh, you know, goes away, because I knew the end was near, um, listen, Obviously, um, I have a lot of, you know, I'm very sad for their families, and it's a horrible tragedy, um, and obviously I do not wish death upon anybody. I just want to say that before I say what I'm going to say, because people might be like, what the fuck are you talking, but listen, have you all read the contract, um, that mentioned death, like, three times on the first page, um, this guy, I listen, a lot of people have not heard of Stockton Rush. A lot of people have not heard of Ocean Gate. I was one of the people that had heard of them because I'm a nerd and I watch a lot of fucking TV about um, exploring and stuff like that. And Josh Gates, he's a very well-known, you know, he's host of Expedition Unknown. The show's been on for like 15 seasons. Like, it is fantastic. I have never missed an episode I love him, and he said no. They were supposed to go down, film the Titanic on the same submersible with the same people, you know, Ocean Gate, and he said no. They went down a couple feet, and he said it already started to malfunction, and he was like, I'm tapping out. Like, this is not safe. I don't feel comfortable. And when I tell you the guy literally does everything in the book, his job is to go out to the most crazy places in the world and film them. He wants to be the first, you know? He literally does everything, and the video that did extremely well on my TikTok is me literally just talking about Josh. Um, because I, the first thing I thought about, when I think of water, submarines, diving, exploration, all that, I thought of Josh. And I was like, you know what? Josh probably was offered this. That's, like, the first thing I thought about. And I was like, he never went, though. Because I had seen every episode, and I'm like, he's never been down there. But if he's gonna, if anyone's going to be offered first dibs on this, it's going to be Josh. Because he gets all the unprecedented access to everything. Um, and I was like, you know what? I bet he was offered and he didn't go. And I was like, please. they need, Because when this was, like, worldwide news for, like, three, four days straight, like, I was, wait, I was, like, please, like, do an interview with him, like, he's the one you need to speak to, like, and finally, CNN, he literally did a, an interview with Anderson Cooper, and I was, like, glued to the screen, like, my mom and I, we, we were up late as fuck, waiting, like, she would not go to bed until Josh came on. Like, she needed to see the interview, too. And we just watched it, and we both kind of, like, sat there and were like, he is very, very somber. He looks extremely serious, and he looks upset, and he's not saying positive things, and that is, like, not his thing. He is always so upbeat, happy, goofy, silly. Like, that's his personality, you know? And when he literally had that stone-cold face on the whole time, I was like, they are not coming back. 
that's all I needed to hear for um, him to say on CNN that um, it's not looking good and I was offered and I did not go. Um, I knew it was over. I knew they were dead or going to die at that point. And I am very upset that the media was, I mean, one aspect I understand why they did not tell us what they found until the 96 hours ran out because you want to like hold out hope for the public and the families right but also I felt like they were dragging that shit out and when I heard James Cameron's interviews I've watched like all of them this guy directed the Titanic he's been down there over 30 times is in his own submarine successfully he um he said that he knew that that thing imploded very quickly, very early on. He knew about it because they they have they had seven different um, ways to resurface in a case of an emergency, and one of them was like dropping these weights or something. I don't know to like go back up, which I don't know how that works because wouldn't weights bring you farther down I don't know but they had seven different ways and they were supposed to resurface by a certain time and they didn't and he knew that that thing exploded like and the navy turns out I'm sure everybody has heard but once they lost contact after an hour and 45 minutes there was a bang and that was it exploding and um yeah So, James Cameron was like, I knew that thing exploded, like, on Sunday. Like, he knew it. I keep saying exploded. The word is imploded. I like exploded better, but exploded and imploded are apparently two different things. Um, because when I heard it imploded, I was like, oh, well, then, you know, there's, there's nothing. Like... I thought imploded was like exploded like the same thing and it's really not because they did recover there's pictures now of wreckage and supposedly human remains um I'm a little leery on that I don't really know what remains would be in that scenario um I'm not even going to really try to wager a guess. The only thing I heard was either nothing or ash. But obviously, they might have found something more. I don't really know. Not that we need to really know that anyway. Like, we just know they're dead. But, um... Yeah. And then I saw an interview that he did where he was like, oh, they, my theory is that they knew because there's certain signs or signals or noises or something you hear before that happens. And they were trying to do one of the rescue measures. Like they were trying to do one of the seven things to go up. Um, he said there was evidence of that or whatever. Cause they did whatever. I, I don't know. And He's like, they knew something was wrong. At least we know that they were not down there for days 
which is what everybody was thinking, that they were trapped and just waiting to die. Um, I feel like that is a very bad, you know, worst scenario. Um, obviously the whole thing is just horrible, but, um, it was quick, but it's just like, what the fuck? Like, why would they do this? Don't get me wrong, okay? We know by now I'm nerdy about history, um, which I don't really know why I'm nerdy about history, to be honest with you. I just find it fascinating. And Titanic is one of those things that I've watched a ton of documentaries on. Um, Like, I won't watch the movie. I haven't seen the movie. I've seen, like, bits and pieces when it's been on at other people's houses. But I have never sat and watched the Titanic with with, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Because I would rather sit there and watch a history documentary on the actual Titanic. And I've watched more than a couple. And... I know a lot about the Titanic, um, and, like, the actual, like, what was said on the, like, on the radar, and, um, what did the captain do, what did he not do, um, like, all the stuff I know about, (laughs) and I've always been fascinated by, like, I, I feel like I know more than, not saying, like, I'm a know-it-all, like, no, listen, I don't know shit about science. I don't know shit about math. History's my thing. I couldn't... I literally don't know math probably, like, past, like, a fifth grade level. Like, I'm being genuinely honest. I, like, failed math, like, so many times. Like, or almost failed. Like, I don't know shit about numbers, calculating, chemistry, like, periodic table. That's not my thing. I am not a book smart person. And also with history, I cannot sit there and list wars, you know, to you. I, I don't know shit. Yeah, I know the name of wars. I know kind of, like, what happened kind of at each, but not not all of them. And I don't, like, I won't sit there and watch World War II in color. Like, I can't get into that. Like, I'm not, like, a war buff like that, but I know about that stuff. And I know a lot about the Titanic. And I have always been fascinated by it. But I personally would never, in a million years, go down in a submarine 13,000 feet at the bottom of the fucking ocean to look at it. I don't need to. They came out with the whole 3D model. Why are people going down there to look at it? Listen, if you're going to go down there, your submarine should look like James Cameron's. When I tell you that submarine looks like that dude is in the Matrix, has a million computers and wires and switches, it's like all this shit. And he's gone over 30 times. That's what it should be. But even then, I would not go. <laughs> I don't even want to go in the submarine a couple feet. You, I won't. I won't do it. Like, I just don't. I'm very claustrophobic, and I cannot imagine being in, like, a tin fucking can at the bottom of the ocean. Forget it. And I have always been extremely fascinated with the Titanic. Like, I know that shit every year when that shit comes around, I'm watching something on it. April 12th, April 12th, what runs around one English. 
comes around, I- I'm on it. You know, April 12th is like a freaking national holiday for me. Like, like it always has been too. Like, and, um, that's my thing, man. Like, I've always been fascinated by it. And you wouldn't catch me down there. It's just not happening. Like, and I just don't get why they did it. And Stockton Rush, I mean, he, the truth of the matter is that he rushed it. He rushed the whole thing. And he was very arrogant and narcissistic and thought it was his way or no way. And I, the the freaking um, clips that I've seen of him talking are just horrendous. It's like, we prioritize, you know, safety and all this stuff. No, they don't. They don't. Like, he's like, oh, well, if someone gets hurt, then we'll, you know, well, pfft. Uh, you know, and then it was like, what I also didn't like is I saw one clip and it's like, oh, I'm very open to suggestions and people giving their feedback and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I see this interview on CNN with somebody, uh, God, I forget the guy's name in the field. And, um, he's like, I, I tried to tell him multiple times that there were all these problems and that. He needs to do, you know, this, this, and this. And you need to get it certified. And, like, people were telling him this over and over. And he said on CNN that Stockton Rush was offended that anybody would question him. But meanwhile, you're sitting there doing a panel or whatever, a clip that I've seen of him talking about how he's very open to people's opinions and suggestions and ideas and recommendations and um he takes everything into account like no he does not <laughs> clearly um the thing is and the other thing Josh said was they were so focused on the design and the comfort and the space and all this stuff like dude controlled it with a Logitech uh controller like i just this is so bananas that I can't even, my brain is not registering that this actually happened. Like, this feels like a freaking, you know, a legend, you know, that's been passed down a couple generations. It's kind of been twisted and mangled and, like, you're telling, like, <laughs> the telephone story of it, you know? It doesn't seem real to me. Um, and it is real, which is, the whole thing is crazy. Like... It's so bizarre. It's literally... I just can't believe that this actually happened. But yeah, they were so focused on design. Josh said that they were not focused on the actual, um, you know, technology, which is the most important thing. Um, people, he, they were prioritizing, like, comfort and you're not supposed to be comfortable you're going to the bottom of the ocean you're gonna be packed in there like a sardine that's the way it's gonna go you're not gonna be sitting down there with a ton of space like you need enough for your body to fit 
the space you need is for everything you're using to control the submarine. Like, that's what should be most important, not comfort, right? He took the cheap way out. And the thing is, this guy is a billionaire. I hate when billionaires are cheap. That's one of my pet peeves. If you are a billionaire and money is nothing, you have, you have all the money in the world. Why are you not taking the time to build the best thing you could? Like, it's because you want to be the first. Like, and, and you, you know, you're, you look at the industry like it's a competition. And that's not, you can't look at industries like that as competition. Because everybody is, you have to remember, everybody is working towards the same goal. You know, and you need to listen to the people around you that have that experience and knowledge, you know, and clearly this is what happens when people do not listen. Especially like that, man. I mean, such high standards. I cannot believe that he was so just like my way or or that's it. That's sad. It's sad, but it's also like you knew what you were getting yourself into. But you're so arrogant to think that it won't happen to you. And that's when it happens, you know? And I think people are going to look at this and be like, well, I'm going to think before I act. Or I'm going to really, you know, work to get everything certified. Like, why are you in a submarine that's not certified in any means? It's just... And, um, you know, Hamish Harding, he had been down there many times as well. Um, I feel bad for his son. Um, I feel bad for the other father and son that were on there. But here's the deal, right? Like... They've been saying that this kid didn't want to go. Well, there's this whole contradicting story. He didn't want to go. Then he wanted to go. Of course, his mom and the wife of the guy is going to go on national TV and say he wanted to go. Because that's the way it's going to be. She's not going to sit there and say, oh, well, he was terrified, but he went anyway. You know, she's not going to stay. She's not going to say that. I think he, he probably was terrified, and then once his father reassured him, then he was excited. But here's the deal. Like, go to a game, you know? Go to the movies. Like, if my dad was like... I mean, my dad would never do this shit. Like, my dad is afraid of everything. But <laughs> if my dad was like, Olivia, why don't you come down with me? You know, me and you, 13,000 feet, bottom of the ocean, looking at a chunk of rust you know (laughs) father's day you and me like no i i wouldn't do it it wouldn't happen my dad won't even go on a plane and um (laughs) so i don't this is not a scenario that i would even have to think about like him going in the ocean like that far down oh my god no Um, 
the fact also that the wife i mean i'm not trying to attack the wife but listen the the fact that she let her 19 year old son go i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that like it it wouldn't even be in the cards if that was my kid like you're not going to the bottom of the fucking ocean like it's not happening i wouldn't let my husband go either like i i just you know i just don't get it i think the whole thing is stupid and silly like part of me like wants to feel bad which there is a sliver that does feel bad but the rest of me is like you knew you knew what you were walking into and Arrogance is bliss, bro. You think you got your head in the fucking clouds and you're untouchable. And, um... I think people need to step back and realize we're humans and we all have poor judgment at times and make mistakes. And we... Sometimes the things we want just overtake the things that we need. Like you know, and our brain is so focused on wanting one thing that we are not staying focused on what, you know, we, we should be doing. And that's, this is a prime example of that. Um, it's just, it's sad, but it's also like so avoidable. I need some water real quick. It is just so. <clears throat> Excuse me, my allergies. Holy crap. Um, the whole thing is just so avoidable. Shouldn't have happened. But, um, hopefully people look at this, like other billionaires look at this and go, I need to take a step back and really look at what I'm doing. Is this safe? Are we following all protocols? Like, are we getting the best materials? Are we talking to the best engineers? Like, you know, I feel like this is a learning lesson. Hopefully people look at it and learn but damn I've seen a lot of things in life and I never thought I'd be um this feels like something that would happen like 50 to 100 years from now like not now like I thought I'd be dead before you know someone went down and saw the Titanic like that apparently James Cameron has been doing it for a long time but you just never really hear about him um And don't get me wrong, I know people have been down there. I think I just thought that we, like, this would take longer with technology. And obviously, um, this has shown that we uh, really need to, you know, follow the technology first. Like, you can't jump the curb. Sometimes you have to wait for things. The problem now with society is that everybody wants things and they want them now. 
we all have no patience. Um, we all just think everything is like owed to us and we think that things cannot get better. And the truth is things will continue to get better with time, with technology. And I mean, 10 years ago, we didn't have streaming services. We didn't have, um, oh gosh, AirPods. I'm trying to think of like things that have come out in the last 10 years. Like when I was growing up, peak technology was, well, when I was very young, peak technology was flip phones. That's technology. People were freaking wowed. Wow, I can fold this little thing, put it in my pocket. You know, my parents, that's what they, that's what they had. Blackberries. Y'all remember those? My mom had a Blackberry for work. I was obsessed with that thing for some reason. I just thought it was the coolest thing I had ever seen in life. And, um, y'all remember CDs? Like, I can't believe I'm at the point in life where I'm reminiscing on childhood. Because I feel like childhood flew. And what I would give to be a kid again. Like, the whole time you're a kid, you're like, I want to be an adult. You know? I want to make choices. I want to, you know, like, and now you're an adult and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I had everything I ever wanted as a kid and now, um, now I don't have shit. Everything I want, I got to pay for. Like, I got to get a job. I got to, like, all this shit, I got to pay bills, you know, do taxes. Like, like, ah, you know, what I would give to just be a kid. And, like, not have to worry about anything. But you don't realize these things until you get older. I just can't believe I'm at the point in life where I'm looking back going, you remember what we had? Like, you remember had the simple things in life, like, that we used to enjoy so much? Playing a CD on an old 2000s radio? You know? Like, DS playing the DS and uh had that little Kendall I had that fucking Kendall from Barnes and Noble I read books and that shit ugh like iPod Nano iPod like they don't even make those anymore you know looking back on what we had and what we thought was just the coolest shit and um now everything's changed. Like, oh, DVDs, man. The joy of putting a DVD and a DVD player and watching those fucking commercials. And, uh, oh my god. V Smile, that shit was awesome. We, like, I still play We. I don't care if it's 2050, I'm whipping out the way. Like, I just, it's symbolic to me. It represents childhood, you know? They don't even make Wii's anymore. Like, they really do not. And that was peak technology for a long time, you know? 
and life was like simple life was really simple back then I feel like little things made me happy and now I just feel like technology has taken over don't get me wrong we need it I think the reason I'm so fascinated with history is because like a hundred years ago like people were excited about the littlest things like I always tell people if I could go back in time well there's a couple places I'd go obviously I'd go to the 80s because I have a such a fascination with the 80s I'd go to Egypt because I have such a fascination with Egypt but my other year that I'd go to that people are going to be like what the fuck's with that (laughs) what do you mean you'd go 1893 now if you don't know history you're very confused right now and honestly people should learn this shit it's so fucking important like to know what happened in the past people think it's just like why do I need to know that that's not happening anymore every single thing comes from something else like And I feel like that's why I enjoy it so much, because it's little things. You think of our scenario now, and what we have now, like, 100 years ago, like, there was nothing. Like, so, 1893. Um, 18, well, let's start here. The 1890s were such a time for America. Um, This was the time of industry, um, industrial revolution. That came probably 10 years later, like early 1900s. But 1890s was the start. Um, Like the railroad was king. That was the fastest way to get things from one place to another. And people were fascinated by that. Um, That you could go on a train and be somewhere in a couple days. And you could see the world. And, you know. And. But the main thing that happened in the 1890s was the world lit up. You have to understand. Think of now, right? It's nighttime here. Everything is still, you know, you can see everything. Electricity. You can turn your light on in your house. One fucking switch. Think about this for a second. You flip one switch and you can see a room that's dark. Like, this is where my mind goes, okay? The 1890s. Your form of electricity doesn't exist. You don't, people don't know what that is. That, that's not existent right now. You're, you're sitting in your room. It's pitch dark. You have a candle. You either had a candle or you had a kerosene lantern. And, um, yes, 
kerosene, which is a highly flammable <laughs> substance. And if you drop that shit on yourself, I've heard stories of people literally catching themselves on fire because that shit exploded on them. That's what people were using. The 1890s, you have Tesla, you have Edison, like, thinking about what's the best way to bring electricity to the masses. Um, direct current or, um, of course, my mind goes blank right now. Direct and, um, oh. I'm blocking out on the, here, wait, types of electrical, oh, alternate, is it alternating? Yes. So, you have Tesla, and, um, not the Tesla, the car company, Nikola Tesla, Nikola Tesla, sorry. And, um, this guy, okay, he was all for the alternating current. So, <clears throat> when you think of AC, that is alternating current, like, um, literally, dude invented, like, everything. Who won? Tesla or Edison? Hold on. Yes. I just wanted to make sure I was telling the right information. I knew that, but I was just wanted to make sure because people would be like, that's fucking wrong. So Tesla wanted alternating current, and Edison wanted direct current. And yes, the same Edison that invented the light bulb, but we're not there yet. So they basically had this war, you know, and um, Tesla wins. Um, the first city that got lit up with electricity was New York City. You have to understand, no one had electricity. It was only in very rich houses. They would start to install it. And then people would see it and be like, well, I want that, you know. And um, so the first time that electricity was brought to the masses was in 1893 and um it was at the chicago world's fair and they lit the whole place up with electricity it's known as the white city because it lit up all in white and people would so these fairs especially the chicago world's fair is where people would go and see the greatest inventions of the time. This is anything from the Eiffel Tower, which was shown there, I believe the same year or around the same year, the Ferris wheel, um, 
different like products like um Campbell's soup um and um blue ribbon beer um anything and everything you can think of people would go to see the newest inventions and people would travel all over the world to well they would come from all over to the world's fair to see things that no one else you couldn't see it anywhere else you know and um so it got dark there and they lit up the whole place and when I think about what it would be like to you've never seen a sit you've never seen light at night isn't that such a strange concept like when the world goes dark it's dark until the sun comes up again but in 1893, they lit up the World's Fair and everyone stood there and watched light. You, you could see when it was dark. I can't imagine not seeing that your whole entire life. And then it's right in front of you. Like, you can see at night. People were probably floored maybe even a little scared overwhelmed you know like what is this and the 1890s is where you start to see the world we know today come into fruition that's what is so important and then early 1900s you have cars and that was the whole new thing at the time and um you could you could see the world you like people used to be stuck in where they were born you lived in and you died where you were you never people never saw the country you know but they had to start building roads and highways and um just car like you could buy um a ford model t which was the most important car uh, is the most important car ever known um for three hundred dollars and henry ford had his hands in everything um henry ford which i literally just found out about this the other day on the history channel because i'm a nerd i found out that henry ford um invented the charcoal that we that we use today on grills did you know that i bet you didn't know that um he had all these extra scraps from the assembly line for the cars and they were like what are we gonna do with this stuff and it became charcoal like what you know like um, he had his hand in the rubber business because he needed the rubber for the tires on the cars. And back then, the rubber was white and rubber comes from trees. So this dude made Fordlandia, okay? Um, it was in... Hold on. Ford... Brazil? Brazil. Is it? Wait. Brazilian state of, of Para. 
So Fordlandia was made to grow rubber, but it was like a town that Henry Ford made. And that's where he would import the rubber from for the tires. Um, the guy had his hand in everything. Um, in World War One, um, the Ford factory produced a ton of um, the weapons and tanks and um, plane, like all this stuff for the war. Um, like everything is so important during that time. Um, I I can't even stress like how important that time is. 1890s to like 19 up until the great depression that is the most important time period in american history that is when you had industry and you had things like the food and drug act in 1906 that um came out after a book called the jungle came out that exposed the meat packing industry and how um you know meat was not the meat you thought it was. It was coming from somewhere else. It was scraps of another animal. It wasn't healthy. People were getting poisoned. Um, You know, you had Teddy Roosevelt, one of the most influential presidents ever, and um, he was changing everything up. People, you know, people didn't like him at first, and um, he was the governor first, which I'm sure a lot of people don't know about. Or was he the mayor? One or the other. Um, Franklin was governor as well. And, um... Oof. Like, that time, I'd go to... I'd, I want to see the fucking factories. Like, I want to see the transition, like, to steam power. Like, it's all so important. And, um... I just love it. Like... It's great, man. Like, people don't understand. Take this, for instance. If you wanted a soda back then, you had to go to the soda fountain. You had to go out. It was an event. You'd go, and they'd, they'd, the the, the um, person working there would, uh, I forget what they're called, but they'd make you the soda, like, it was an event. Things, these things were an event. It was an event to go out and drink a glass of soda. It was an event to go shopping. And before shopping was a thing, you had to go to like 10 different places to get what you, you would get now at a grocery store because it did not exist. You had to go one place for your meat, one place for your vegetables, one place for your bread. Um, one place for your grains, like, the, it did not exist. Um, and then, um, the two big, I found out this the other day too, the big food chains at the time, stores were Piggly Wiggly and, uh, Winn-Dixie, and they invented shopping. And you're like, huh? So when you would go to a store back then to buy, say, you you want, um, I don't know, a loaf of bread. You go to your bakery. Or, that's probably not a good example. You need to buy um, cereal or something. Anything. Anything. We don't even need to label it. 
you would go and the clerks would be behind the counter and you would point to the clerk what you wanted. You were not allowed to touch anything in the store. So Piggly Wiggly was the first to invent... I'm being dead uh, dead serious. People don't understand how good we have it today. They were the first to invent shopping as we know it. Back then, you would literally... Tell the you would point to the clerk. I want that loaf of bread. I want those carrots. Like I want that cut of meat. Like you weren't allowed to touch anything. And these very smart guys were like, "What if we let the customer pick out and touch and feel and pick out what they want?" literally inventing shopping as we know it like now this is such a a common thing like and you go to the grocery store and everything's there but they started selling bread in the store and this upset the bakeries around because they were losing business but see if you can go to a store and buy your loaf of bread also at the store where you're buying your vegetables, you're not going to go to a bakery because you want to go to less places. And that's what they started doing, selling bread, selling all different items, and then invented shopping. And they would, this was another thing, they'd carry around a little basket. And then some guy was like, you know, they, they can only pick what they can carry. Why don't we invent something that they can push, Right? So that they can, they won't feel like they're limited. They Whatever they can fit in the carriage, they won't have to carry any of it. So they'll buy more things. And people were like, what the fuck is this? A shop? Like, what is a shopping cart? What's a cart? Like, what the fuck is this? People were like, I'm not pushing pushing this shit. Because um, men didn't like it because it was like, oh, I'm not strong enough to carry my own groceries. And women didn't like it because it looked like a baby carriage. So what they did was they hired all these beautiful women to push around the carts in Piggly Wiggly and pretend like they're shopping, but they're not really shopping. So you have a mother, right, or a woman seeing another beautiful woman push around a shopping cart. You're like, I want to be her. I want to push a shopping cart, too. And then men, you see a beautiful woman pushing around a cart and you're like, shit, I want to go. I want to. I want to go talk to this woman. Like, I'll push a cart. And they single-handedly inventing, invented shopping, shopping carts. What shopping is, you pick out what you want. <clears throat> they invented all of it. It didn't exist. And, um, you know, that time up until the Great Depression was fantastic for America. You had the, the Roaring Twenties. Um, a lot of prosperity, people coming home from war, um, you know, just, it was a lot of fun back then, like, and then you had the Great Depression, and, um, you had millions of people unemployed, no one had any money, I don't think people understand that whole concept either, um, banks were closing, um, there was nothing. You couldn't trust the bank. 
basically you put your money in the bank and it was gone. All your money was gone. There were no jobs. Um, so people couldn't eat. There, like, people were living in shacks. Um, Her- Herbert Hoover set up Hoovervilles, and people lived in those little shacks, and they called them Hoover- Hoovervilles because they felt that the president just threw them in a little shack and was like, fend for yourself. And he believed that, you know, the government is not in charge of the people. He was like, we do not provide them for stuff like that's on them. And then you had um, some guy named Franklin Delano Roosevelt come in and change all of history. <clears throat> now I'm going on a history rant, which is not even what I wanted to talk about in this episode. I've been rambling on for so long. Basically, you had Franklin Roosevelt come in and set up a new deal. My mom and I talk about this a lot because she has a lot of respect for Franklin Roosevelt because he gave her her career. Franklin Roosevelt set up Medicaid insurance. People, senior citizens get Insurance. They're not, this is what was happening. People were working and then they'd stop working and then they'd have no money. That's what it was. You had all these senior citizens with no money, no way to live. They were starving. They had no, like, no home, no nothing. And my mom's been in the insurance industry for over 30 years. And her main thing was Medicaid selling, um, her company sold to senior citizens, um, also insurance and if you're you know hospital bills in an accident um life insurance um social security um all that stuff he invented it didn't exist um they closed all the banks on one day and he was the first president to talk over the radio to the whole entire country And he'd sit there and talk in the overall office like he was talking to every single person. And he told them, he lined out a a plan. Because he was basically trying to save a whole entire country. You have to understand. Like, we watched the whole Franklin Roosevelt thing on Memorial Day because it came out on the History Channel. Last year it was Teddy Roosevelt. Um, the year before it was Lincoln, so, um, and he basically sat there and told people, this is the plan, this is what I'm doing, this is how it's going to help you, and this is what I need you to do, and he said, the banks will be closed on such date, and then on this date, you will go in and put your money in the bank. And people did not trust banks because you have to understand people put all their money in the bank, right? And then you have the stock market crash. And now everyone's like, well, I'm not putting my fucking money back in the bank. I'm going to lose it all over again. Um, So he said, you will put your money back in the bank. You can trust the banks. This is how... 
your money is going to help. We need to bring the banks back. So, the next day there were lines around the block, people putting their money back in the bank. Like, that's, like, it's so, those things are very important. Um, and I would go back to that time where everything in the world was changing. Like, that's where I'd go. And you have to realize that this is not that long ago. A hundred years ago, it was 1923. What was going on in 1923? Women had, like, literally just got the right to vote. That's a big one. Um... You know, and then um, we had Prohibition, which basically just increased alcohol consumption because when people can't have something, they want more of it, right? So you had bootlegging and speakeasies and mob activity and the whole nine yards. Now, this is a good segue. What I wanted to talk about on this podcast, which I literally haven't even mentioned... Um, Because I've been blabbing about history forever. And people are like, Olivia, shut the fuck up. Um, I have been watching The Sopranos. And that shit is incredible. Um, Speaking of mob. (laughs) So. I have heard how fantastic this show is. For years. My mom has not shut up about it. Um, my mom watched it, my dad watched it, my grandma watched it, um, they all were obsessed with it at the time, and obviously for most of it, I was not alive. And, um, they have talked about it forever. And I was like, I need something new to watch, you know? I am already on the last season, and I started, like, maybe five weeks ago, six weeks ago, and, um, holy crap. I don't even have, like, words to describe how amazing this show is. Like, I, oof. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) People that watch it know the reference, but... Guys, it is so incredible. It is fantastic. And I heard that people from my generation are now obsessed with it as well. Because during quarantine, people went back and watched it. And it was like the number one show watched during quarantine. And I wish I watched it then. I wish I watched it sooner. It's fantastic. It is like you're watching a movie every single episode. Um... So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. It is... I don't even have the word subscribe like this show right now. Y'all know I'm nerdy about TV. And, um... Oh my god. I feel like I'm always saying the same thing over and over again. 
it took me a few episodes to get into it. Um, all I knew was it involved a mob family in Jersey. Um, that's pretty much all I knew. I really didn't know anything else. And it is fantastic. Oh my god. I So it took me a few episodes. And then I got to the episode where Christopher is questioning his life. And let me just say, let me put it out there. Michael Imperioli is fine as hell. He is very hot. Like, I... And I know his character can be, like, a dick sometimes, but he is fine. And I was like, I mean, he was, like, the first one I noticed. I was like, who's this guy? Like, (laughs) um, and... I remember being fascinated by him. He was so, oh my God. So it is, let me see. I just want to make sure I'm telling you the right episode because it takes a bit. Um, episode guide here. Hold on. Which episode is it? I swear I'm going to, like, tell you the wrong one, so. Um. Oh, my gosh. Which one is it? Wait. Is it season one? I thought it was. Is it not? Did I just lie to everybody? Um, shoot. Did I lie? I think I lied to you. (laughs) I think I really lied. Wait. Um, oh my gosh, let me just Google this because I cannot look through all these episodes right now. Christopher, wait, is this not, this is not till season four. I swear it's in the first season. What episode is it? Are you serious? Wait, hold on. Oh, it's episode eight. Oh my God, I'm like so stupid because I really just looked at the wrong thing. Episode eight. The Legend of Tennessee Multisanti. Okay. Now, when I tell you this is probably the most 
incredible piece of writing I have ever seen. And I, y'all know, I watch a million things on TV. I'm very nerdy with script and acting. I'm very nerdy with um, the writers and what they're trying to say and, like, all the shit, right? Okay. Episode 8 is where I fell in love with it. So episode 8, okay, is about Christopher. So he wants to he wants to be a writer. He wants to be a writer for TV movies, you know. And he's working on a script. And um he's questioning his life. Does he want to go out, be a writer, you know? Or does he want to stay with Tony, stay in the family, serve him, put his life for him? Like, and oof. See, and I listened to a podcast that Michael was on. I've been listening to a handful of things that he's been on. They had a podcast pretty recently during quarantine and after talk about uh, called Talking Sopranos. Um, he was also on Drea's podcast, um, the girl that played Adriana, his girlfriend. And he was like, I was not sure what the tone of this show was going to be. Is it going to be a spoof? Is it going to be funny? Like, what? what is it, you know? And he's like, when I saw the script for episode eight, I was so excited. Because he didn't know if he was going to be, like, a main character, per se. Like, he didn't know how, how far they were going to go with his story. And the first seven episodes are very much focused on Tony. Because, obviously, he's, like, the main character. Hello. And let me just say, um, James Gandolfini is literally the one of the most fantastic actors I have ever seen in my life. I am captivated and fascinated by him, and I, I wish so much that he was still with us. Um, he's greatly missed. He's one of the best ever. Um, just incredible, incredible. Um, and I will talk about him more, um, but I really wanted to mention this episode because it has been on my mind. Like, it's been replaying in my mind since I watched it. It is so fantastic. And I'm on the sixth season, okay? This was the eighth episode of season one. And I'm still fixated on this episode. It's written so well. So he's at Tony's house. And Tony's like, take ten minutes. Go outside. If you come back, I'm going to assume that you're going to be with me. You're going to give everything to me. You're going to be loyal to me and this family. This is what you want to do. If you don't come back, I'm going to assume, you know, you went off to Hollywood to be a writer. You don't want nothing to do with me. Because Tony was like, he was doing this writing and Tony was like, you can't do both. You need to pick. Are you going to be in the family or are you going to be out writing? Which is, you know. There's this whole scene where he's sitting on the steps and um, he's questioning his life, you know. 
he comes back to Tony, you know, made his choice to Tony. And, but I believe before all that is when he has the conversation about the arc. So when I first watched the scene, I was like, what the hell is an arc? Like, or not even that, like he explained what it was. But the thing that I didn't understand was why is it called an arc? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what the hell is an arc? You know? And so the scene is, well, one of the scenes, before this scene, there was another scene where he's on a porch. And he's like, you know, there was a time in my life when being with the Tony Soprano crew was all I ever dreamed of, like, all I ever wanted. And he's questioning. Like, why be in a crew? Why be a gangster? He's telling his friend, like, and his friend's like, you know, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, wh- why are you questioning that? You know? And he's just thinking about it because he got into writing and he was like, why am I even trying to do this? Because he's not initiated into the family until a couple seasons later on. And so he was still trying to earn, there's different ranks of the mafia. So he, he was a soldier and then it's captain then it's boss, um, and he was still trying to get initiated, like, as a captain, you know, and he was just questioning, like, what am I doing this all for, you know, like, because he got into writing, and he was like, maybe I want to do writing, like, maybe I want to go out to Hollywood, be a writer, or whatever, and, um, so he has that whole scene, and then there's the arc scene, okay, this is, like, the best scene, one of the best scenes, I think, in television history. And, um, he's sitting on the couch. He's talking to Polly, which is one of the main guys, um, in, um, the family. Hilarious, by the way. Love him. And he's like, do you ever feel like nothing good is ever going to happen to you? And Polly's like, um... And nothing did, you know, so what? I'm alive, I'm surviving, blah, blah, blah. And Chris is like, that's it, I don't want to just survive. Um, and then he's like, it says in these movie writing books that every character has an arc. You know, like they start off somewhere and they end up somewhere else and it changes their life for the better, you know. And he's like, where is my arc? Like, questioning, like, oh, it is so good. I just want to make sure I said all that correctly. The line is, like, everybody starts out somewhere. And they do something. Something gets done to them. And it changes their life. That's called an arc. So, it's an arc because it's a upwards something happens in your life and it changes your life and it makes it better he's saying every character in these stories you know in these movie writing books every character has an arc and he's like where's my arc where's that thing that's supposed to happen to me that's supposed to change my life and make my life better like it's not here where is it you know and he's trying to find it that episode puts it in motion for him trying to find it. He is very complex. 
and we all know how I feel about complex characters. They make me incredibly happy because just when you think you know somebody, there's something else that you don't know. And you're peeling back layers. It's like an onion, you know? You're trying to figure out what makes this person tick. What are their emotions? Why do they act the way they do? What are they passionate about? What are their dreams? What What do they want to do in life? Um, and this episode sealed it for me. Then I was hooked. Because I'm like, he's right. What is his arc? <laughs> I'm like, what is his arc? Where is his arc? Like, now I'm like fascinated. I'm like, shit. And then I'm like, where's my arc? You know, like I'm thinking about, and I'm like, he's right. Like where, where's the arc? Like, and obviously he chooses, some would say wrong, Um, and the symbolism in the show is fantastic. The foreshadowing, when he's getting made, there's a crow on the window, and my friends are like, shut up about the crow! (laughs) You have talked about the crow way too much. Like, I love a good foreshadowing. I love a good symbolism. Like, pull me in. Make me, like, invested. Make me want more. Like, make me... Like... So the whole time he's getting... He finally gets initiated in. He gets made. That's what they call it. He's there getting made, right? Tony's reading the... You know, you must be loyal to this family. This family comes before your children and your wife and your mother and your like everybody comes before everybody you you know you will be loyal to the family you will not go outside the family you will not betray the family um or you'll burn in hell if you betray the family like all the stuff and he has to prick his finger and all this you know the whole time that tony is stating what he has to do there is a crow on the window like kind of staring at him and he keeps looking at the crow they cut to tony you must do this this and this then it cut then it cuts to the crow then it cuts back to christopher and he keeps looking at the crow like he's staring at it like trying to focus on what's going on but he's like looking at the crow staring back at tony looking at the crow it was like a couple times and the whole time i'm thinking you chose poorly. Like, I'm, I'm like, all right, this is going to be important later. <laughs> like, now we have the internet, so, like, obviously I know Christopher gets killed. I know all that jazz. Um, but he's like a son to Tony, so he had to do something very, very bad. Which I feel like you kind of know, but... I love it because I can't guess anything. There's some murders that I've guessed. Like, or like, when I know they take a guy out in an alleyway or they take him on a boat or wherever, you know. um, I know that person's getting killed. But what is so magical about it is the debate. Because there's some people that he will kill right off. And there's other people where he has to think about it. 
he has to ponder about it for like a couple episodes he's pondering what are we gonna do with this guy i don't want to kill him constantly going back and forth I, I know i have to kill him but i don't want to kill him because you think i'm talking about tony now you think mobsters have no heart and soul but the thing is like that is family and when somebody messes up you have to whack them because word gets out you can't have a rat alive and I love the dynamic because you fucking feel for Tony he's an anti-hero he's one of the first anti-heroes like in television he's a bad guy but you feel remorse for him you relate to him you want him to win every time the fbi shows up at the door i'm like no don't find anything don't take my guy tony off to jail as he's you know beating up somebody else in an alleyway as he's shooting up another like but i'm like he's the guy like i want like don't fuck with him like you root for him the whole time and you shouldn't be and you are and it's like that with all of them and you fucking relate even when you grow to love a character and they get killed you want them to get killed most of them not all of them but and you're having the debate in your head too and you're trying to figure out like what what is the best scenario I like it because it gives the audience perspective. Like, as you, as the audience, you feel like you are making the decision with them. Like, you're showing all the facts, too. And you're kind of like, well, this guy did do this, this, and this. And even though he was this, this, and this to them, he also did this, this, and this. And we can't have that. So. You root for all of them. And you shouldn't be. They're in the fucking mafia. But you do. You really, really feel for them. There's been a couple friends where Tony has had to kill. And. He. Not just the friends, the affairs that he has on the side with women, and you see him go through all the emotions, and you see him being regretful and remorseful and upset and thinking about, well, I shouldn't have done that. Did that lead to this? Did did I cause that? Is that my fault? I shouldn't have killed them, or I shouldn't have hurt them, or I shouldn't have left them, or... You think they have no soul. And he does. He literally does. Um, Sorry, I'm answering a text. But. um, I'm just still looking. Um, I'm looking to see if there's anything about 
the arc. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give like too much away, but I could talk about this shit for days. Oh, we have a script here. Oh, I love looking at a script. I'm not sure why that came up. Oh, because it's about the arc. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love looking at a script, like, he's just going through it, man. Another scene with Tony, which is before that, like, leading up to all this, he's like, I don't know, Tony, it's just like the fucking regularness of life is just, you know not enough for me or whatever like he is struggling um sorry okay um guys it is so good like and I could go on and on and on I've just been talking for so long (laughs) oh man let me just say I watched that I watched um, long term parking the other day so fantastic even though they killed Adriana. Um, and I actually heard that it was supposed to, Chris was supposed to go to Tony and tell him, like, they filmed that scene, and then the girl that played Adriana was like, no, I want more suspense, like, I don't want the audience to know it's coming. So they changed it, and they swapped out the scene, and they put it in a later episode. Like, as a flashback, but they didn't put it before. But I haven't seen the flashback part yet. But I know it's coming. But, um, I didn't, I was so fooled. I was really, really fooled. I had seen, like, her last scene, which is a bunch of nothing. Um, basically, you just hear the gunshots. And you just know she's dead, but you don't see her, like, getting shot. But you know, you know? And, um... There's a whole lead-up before then that I really thought was true, and it wasn't. And I don't get fooled that much, but, oh my god, I was so happy that she, like, went to them and was like, I want this written a different way, or I don't want that scene put in, because... And they changed, like, some of the script... And, um, oh my god, you guys, it's literally fantastic. Like, I was just like, wow. The whole time, I'm just going, wow, wow, you know? Like, oh, I'm getting all these messages.
I need to order food real quick. Oh, I think it's still recording. Cool. So, I feel I'm on I'm kind of torn cuz I'm like, do I want to give certain stuff away? Because I know that some people are like just watching now, you know. Like um Guys, what the fuck? This Mexican place that we go to, I don't think it's open today, and I'm not happy. Tell me why I can't even find it. Oh, it is closed. That's cute. Well. Okay, well, that's nice. Um, oh, this other place is on here. I'm, like, literally so annoying. I am literally the worst. Like, (laughs) I'm trying to see if this place has empanadas, because that's what I want. And I love how I'm just talking about, um, like, food right now. But, guys, you guys have to watch The Sopranos. Like, I don't want to give too much away, but, like, it's also been off the air for, like, 15 years. So, like, I don't really feel bad about giving stuff away. But, um... Ugh, I cannot find what I'm looking for here. Oh, here we go. Well, not really. (laughs) Does this place not have empanadas? Are you serious? I hate when, like, Mexican places have everything but what you want, right? Like, they only have it at certain places. Hold on. had my legs bent for so long. Ugh. My voice is getting kind of like, like I want to talk more, but my like throat is like not here right now. Like I feel like I sound like, um, I feel like I sound like weird. Well, I think I'm going to end this episode because it's getting too fucking long. But guys, go watch The Sopranos. I don't want to spoil too much right now. I'll talk more about it another day. But thank you guys so much for being here. I have to order dinner. (laughs) But I love you guys and I really appreciate you being here. And um, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening.